listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. That was such a joy to sing with you ladies. I feel like um, singing those Christmas hymns is such an impactful way to set our hearts um, in the right place for this evening. So I'm thankful for getting to do that. Thank you, Krista and Jana. Um, It is my honor now to introduce our speaker for this evening, Lauren Alexander. Lauren is a funny and truly relatable Bible nerd who communicates timeless truths to form 21st century disciples. She has a passion for teaching women to study God's word and develop a deeper life of discipleship with Christ. Lauren has been serving in ministry for over 15 years. She serves the body of Christ with her husband, Seth, who is her best friend and the pastor at First Baptist Church in Bicknell, Indiana. Seth and Lauren have four funny and spirited children, Tabby, Heather, Ty, and Elijah Burke. They are also licensed foster parents who have hosted seven children in their home in the past two years. And currently, Lauren is Lala to a beautiful four-month-old baby boy. I actually had the privilege of growing up with Lauren in a small town in southern Indiana. Um, Andrea said, oh, I think it'd be fun if you mentioned your connection. I'm like, well, of course I will do that. This is like knowing a famous person. (laughs) I get to say, uh, I knew her when. (laughs) Um, We got to perform in musicals and sing in madrigal dinners together, and we had some pretty entertaining and possibly embarrassing uh, spell bowl adventures together (laughs) through the years. I will not share those stories on stage, but ask me after if you want to know. Some fun facts. We are both named Lauren Elise. We grew up in our town as only like 3,000 people, and we have the exact same name, not same last name, but we're both Lauren Elise, which bonded us from the beginning, I think to have the same name. Um, Her family ran a beautiful Christian bookstore in our town for many years, and her dad was my high school English teacher. Shout out to Mr. Biggs, if he's out there. Um, Let's see. In addition to those things, I can tell you that Lauren's bold faith and joyful heart were a powerful witness and encouragement to me and so many others in our growing up years, and they continue to be an encouragement to me now as I get to watch her from a little farther away and see the many ways that the Lord is using her as his hands and feet to further his kingdom. I will admit to being a little jealous of those who still get to do life with her on a daily basis, but I am so thankful that our paths are crossing again tonight. So Lauren, thanks for being with us this evening. It is such a blessing to me personally to have you here, and I know it will be a blessing to all of us. So I'm gonna welcome to the stage now. That is truly the kindest introduction I may have ever received. Also, she said my name correctly, which is refreshing. Um, (laughs) um, Because she knows, because it's also her name is my name too, that kind of thing. I want to share with you from the Word of God tonight from Luke chapter 1. May I read that to you too? Okay, let's read it together. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was, let's say it together, Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born shall be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel departed from her. So, you've heard that story before. Raise your hand. Oh, look. Okay, good. I'm glad we've got a baseline here. I've heard that story so many times that sometimes it loses its impact upon reading. Anybody else identify with that? I was recently watching a skit with a different approach to what we sing about as the silent night. And here's Mary during the skit, and she's marveling over her new baby, and she hears a knock at the door of the barn. She tells Joseph, hey, I'm not really up for company right now. But Joseph throws open the door to a bunch of shepherds and wise men and lets them into the stable where Mary finally exclaims in frustration after a few minutes, sorry, I guess when I found out I was going to give birth to this savior, I just assumed it was going to be nicer. I mean, uh, there might be a real bed and I don't know, like a doctor and uh, no sheep poo on the floor. But everybody's looking at me, and I just feel puffy and gross. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about right there. Can you imagine the smell of the stall that Mary was in as she gave birth to Jesus? Some of you have mucked stalls before. I see some head shake. You know that smell. I'm sure it was not her first choice when she was bringing a child into the world, let alone the Son of God. Sometimes we forget that Mary had thoughts and feelings and plans and dreams and expectations for how her life was going to go. And even how the nativity of the Christ child would work out. Some of us have ideas about how this Christmas is going to go. You know who I'm talking to. And even how uh, our, our kids are going to handle their Advent calendars or handling decorating. And this year, my husband's not going to get upset when I ask him to untangle the lights. Or maybe I won't be the one who gets upset when I'm untangling the lights and saying words that don't glorify God. I don't know about you, but I have a picture of how things are going to go. Anybody else? Or maybe you're smarter than me now and you've gotten past that. And God bless you for it. But we think this is the year. This is the year when my loved one won't disappoint me. Or I'll finally select the gift that they'll actually like. Or I will finally have all the food hot at one time. Lord, let it be. 
Or maybe my spouse will go to church with me this Christmas since it's on a Sunday. Or my child who is adopted won't get triggered so badly. And just like Mary, things probably won't go like we had in our minds. Can I pray for us as we look into the story of Mary together? Oh, Father, thank you for making a way for us. I pray that every single person under the sound of my voice will leave here encouraged to remember that you still use ordinary people to do extraordinary things and that your son comes to us all in a humble, holy way and invites us into relationship with you. Lord, may there be no one who says no to that relationship in this room. And I pray that as I speak, you would use this one who's standing before all of these women and allow me to serve in a way that would bring you glory. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So most of us here, as we raised our hands earlier, we know Mary's story, don't we? We know that she was young. She was probably only 13 or 14 years old, and she was in a legal binding contract called a betrothal to marry Joseph with the understanding that she was a virgin. And breaking that legal binding contract had a lot of uh, consequences, and none of them were good, were they? She lived in a pretty small town where everyone knew her, and you just heard about how Lauren and I grew up in a very similar town. But rarely do we talk about how Mary may have felt and what her life was like after that angel showed up that day. Being a parent is a tough and often exhausting job, and we all know that because we have either been the exhausted parent or the child who has caused said exhaustion. But it must be infinitely more tricky when your child is perfect and you are not, which is the situation that Mary found herself in. Some of you have children who think that they are perfect, but that's a different story for a different day. And as a foster mom myself, I, I wonder what it was like to be stepping in to raise God's child, to raise his only begotten son, changing the diaper of God, nursing God at her breast, kissing the face of God. By the way, I have a feeling that diapers definitely hit different back then. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't know what the Palestinian diaper, diaper situation was. I know that it wasn't down at uh, Walmart with the Hello Bello from Kristen Bell. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that. I know that. It wasn't even the newer, uh, the newer uh, reusable diapers, the ones with the cute tabs and the cool color. It wasn't like that either. Okay. It was ugly. I think we can all agree with that. Diaper changing in Palestine was ugly back then. Okay. What did she use exactly? We'll never know. And thank God we don't have to. <laughs> she is so fascinating to me, Mary. A brave, simple woman of God with a yes in her heart. And here are some things tonight that we can notice about her walk with God and an example that we can find from her life that was truly devoted to her son, to her Savior. The first thing that I want to point out to you through the scriptures, is she was available. Listen to verse 38. 
Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be to me as you have said. Now, God knew that when he came knocking at Mary's door, he knew that he can interrupt her plans. We can see that by her response to him. It complicated everything in her life, and yet she said yes. And so, beloved ones, tonight I want to encourage you with the fact that God is not looking for your ability so much as he is looking for your availability. Do you have a yes in your heart for God? That's a heart he can use, is a heart with a yes for him. And frankly, he did not choose a parenting expert to take care of his son. He chose a teenager. Now, I have two teenagers living at my house, and if you are a teenager, I don't want you to take offense to this, but I sometimes have a hard time getting them to water my plants, you know? Um... It's, it wouldn't be my first instinct, I'm just saying, in some cases, my 13-year-old, you know, I don't know how it's going to go, okay? And so for God to entrust a young woman simply because she was available to him and willing to be interrupted is remarkable to me. And I hope it is to you too because it's good news. It's good news for all of us that God can use anybody to do his will who will say yes to him. That could be you this Christmas season. That could be me this Christmas season. How might God invite us to join him in the work that he is doing? Her heart belonged completely to the Lord. And I'm reminded of 2 Chronicles 16. It says, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that is completely devoted to him. And as he sought, he found the heart of Mary. And he said, that's the one. That's the one I want to use. Notice she didn't protest and say, hey, did you know I'm getting married and this could really throw a wrench into things? You don't hear her say that. Her questions are mechanical. How is this going to happen? That sounds interesting. (laughs) And her response is gracious. I am God's servant. My answer is yes. Do you have a margin for divine interruptions in your life as Mary did? In your schedule, is there a place that God could move so that you could share the gospel with somebody? Is there, is there a moment in your day that is unaccounted for that if offered to God, he could do something with it? Or is everything so full that you can't even squeeze in a moment for what he might want to do, how he might want to interrupt your day with his presence, with his power, and with his majesty? Is there room in your finances this Christmas season? I know things are tight for everybody, but I wonder, what if God invited you to do something holy? Would you have the margin in your life to be able to do that? What about your life in general? Do you have room for divine interruption? Or do you quickly push it aside as just something that you thought of because you ate the wrong kind of pizza last night? Or because you really don't believe that he could be asking you to do that because that might get you into trouble or that might um, make you wonder about things, make other people wonder about you. Or because it's hard to communicate the truth of God's word because you don't feel like you know enough. What are the reasons that keep you from being available to God? 
I was 25 and a newlywed of two months when God interrupted my life completely. He invited my husband and me to the beautiful, complicated, stressful, messy adventure called foster care. Just a few months and a few piles of paperwork later, um, I will tell you that I did more paperwork for them than I ever did for the one that came out the old-fashioned way, if you know what I mean, which is kind of crazy to me. But a Ford Focus with three car seats pulled up. Um, is that even safe, by the way, to have three car seats stacked in a Ford Focus? I don't think so, but that's how they came to me. They pulled in our personage driveway, and I laid eyes on our first placement ever. A three-and-a-half-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a, a, two a six-month-old. And I believe that Brittany has some photos to show you. That is Tabby. She was three and a half when she came to my house that day, October 18th, 2010. This is my Heather. She was two and a half. And that is Ty. And he was almost seven months old. Look at those blue eyes. And you wouldn't know it from this photo, but he actually has a large dimple on one side of his cheek. Saves his life every time. Saves his life. Aren't they beautiful? Can you show the one of all three of them? Yeah, this is us back in 2010. Um, we had had them less than a month at that time, so we still look marginally healthy. Um, it was after that that the dark eyes circles got bigger and the concerned face got stronger. Um, but I just need you to let that sink in for a minute. Three and a half, two and a half, and six months, they're not even triplets, so you can't do all the things at the same time or dress them in the same manner. No, no, they're all in three different unique stages. And the case manager that came to our house, she brought a box of formula and baby food. And I realized in that moment, even though they had, we had done all this training and stuff, that I had never in my two and a half decades of life ever made a formula bottle. I came from family that uh, nursed their babies. And so I had never actually performed the action of making a and, and maybe I look stupid, and that's okay, because I felt stupid in that moment. I'm looking at this box, and I have to read the instructions to feed this baby, and I'm like, you got the wrong house. I don't know what I'm going to do here. But two inexperienced parents, okay, because my husband had very little experience too, and honestly, inexperienced seems like a strong term uh, <laughs> for those two people and whatever they were. All we had was God's love and a desire to be a blessing to three kids. And they were three broken, confused, and scared babies, and we were confused and scared adults. And they had been in three homes in just a few months. And God looked around, and he was not looking for a parenting expert or a person with a lot of experience, or as I found out, someone who was even frankly good at it but someone willing to trade in their hopes and dreams to say yes to him. What would you say? What would I say? How would we respond to a divine interruption tonight? When God encounters a human being in a very personal and intimate way, he messes with every single plan and dream. And some of you in this room know how that feels. Do you have a divine margin in your life this Christmas season, this Advent, as we prepare him room? Have we prepared a place for him to come through us to a very broken world? 
And what would we do if he came knocking and asked, do you have room in your heart not only for me, but for those who I love? Do you have room for me? Do you have room for the ones that are close to my heart? None of the innkeepers had any availability in Bethlehem, and they missed a big time because we would still be talking about that hotel today. Amen. (laughs) They missed a hot chance is all I can say. Are you like them, or is there room in your heart, in your home, your schedule, your plans? It may be a challenge that sets, you know, that that shapes a different expectation for you, such as a pastor's wife who's who's now looking at Christmas on Sunday with five kids. (laughs) Um, Maybe that's how God's going to use you this Christmas season. That's how God's going to use me in a couple weeks. Or a chance to love someone with a lot of purpose. Or an opportunity right in front of you to meet very, very real needs by sharing the gospel or passing along hope in the form of things like groceries or toys. Maybe it's that you just become more available to the God who loves you by opening your heart to him just a little bit more. Remember, saying yes may change your whole life. And it may cost you some things. It did for Mary, especially later on in her story. How is God asking you and me to be available this season? The second thing that I want to point out to you is that she was humble. Now, when I look at Luke uh, 1, 28, 29, it says, And Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what kind of, sor- what kind of greeting this might be. Now, I always wondered what the angel's voice sounded like. If I were to hear with my own ears, did it have a Morgan Freeman vibe? Maybe a James Earl Jones type of situation? Um, I don't know. Who do you like to hear read you stories on the podcasts? You know, did Mary feel the hair stand up on the back of her neck when Gabriel spoke those words to her? We know that angels can look scary because every one of them is like, hey, don't, don't, don't be afraid. Like the first thing out of their mouth is, hey, hey, uh, I, know it's, I know it's a lot. Just, just chill out. I'm, I'm here in peace. I, I come in, you know, like you know that those angels, they look a certain way because of the reaction that they give every time they show up to someone. Don't panic. I'm here in peace, you know. And so it was something, okay. Did, did, the, did it creep her out? Was she afraid? Was she scared? What was her reaction? Do we think about that as we're reading this? I mean, this is a young girl. And you don't see an angel every day. I mean, maybe you do. I need to talk to you later if you do. But if I had a humongous angel show up in my living room saying that God had his eye on me and I was highly favored, I was expecting something jolly and bright to happen up in here. Maybe the guys with the big checker in the kitchen waiting on me. Maybe um, an ancient Near Eastern Fear Wang is going to do my wedding gown. Or a Palestinian Neil Lane is going to give me the sparkles. You know what I mean? Like on The Bachelor, I'm here to make friends, not like them. Okay. Um, maybe Wolfgang Puck and Ina Garten are going to like team up to do the meal at the wedding. It's going to be awesome. Okay. This is my dream. You can 
choose who you'd like, okay? I like Ina, um, even though I can't get any of her things that she uh, orders in the recipes at in Bicknell, Indiana. They don't make that stuff for Bicknell. It's like, well, if you don't have this, you can get yourself some lemon extract. Yes, ma'am, that's me. Okay, it's my dream, though. Just let me have it. Woo, boy, I am going big. This is going to be awesome. If the big angel comes and says, you're highly favored, I'm ready. I am ready for this. Let's go. But the text says Mary had a different response than I probably would in that situation. And that says that she was troubled and perplexed. Could she feel it coming? Keep in mind that in verse 28, when he says that that Mary's highly favored, that word is charis, and that word means grace. And so Mary was graced, not with a royal wedding, but with the presence of God inside of her. And that is what makes the ordinary extraordinary. One Bible teacher says it this way, humility is the natural posture of anyone who grasps the greatness of God. Mary avoided the thought of of herself or, or of making it all about her and her situation. She didn't even ask how this was gonna affect her future plans. And honestly, she was pretty low maintenance. I mean, she had a baby in a barn. Some of you guys have babies at home, that's cool, but I bet none of us have had a baby in a barn. If 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 so, come and see me later and I'll eat my words. But I'm telling you, you didn't put your baby in a feed trough when you got done having him or her, right? That is not your experience. She was was low maintenance. Can we agree on that? Okay. I don't even like to drive with my children sometimes. I'm going to be real with you. Can I be an honest mom tonight? Is that okay with everybody? I don't even like to go very far with them in the car sometimes because they get um, the, the wine and cheese. You want some cheese with that wine kind of situation. And so I got to tell you, the idea of having to get on a pack animal to ride with them uh, to a different city is just sort of twitch inducing. Um, is all I can say. And so the, the, the thing about Mary is she didn't mind. She was humble. She was okay that it was not all about her. And she was okay that it wasn't how she pictured it to be. And she was willing to receive him anyway. And so Mary is this spotlight holder for Jesus Christ. She doesn't need the spotlight. She's holding it and putting it on the Son of God who's willing to lie in a manger for all of us. And in Luke 1.49, she goes to see Elizabeth and she sings a song of praise and she says, the mighty one has done great, for, great things for me. Holy is his name. That is her response to her life being totally changed and turned upside down by a holy God. God has done a great thing for me. Is that your response when God sort of changes things on you? I know personally that is not always the way that I respond. I would like for it to be, but I'm just up here to be honest with you and tell you that that's not how I always choose to respond. She has this great spiritual maturity that doesn't say, look what I did. In fact, her song is called the Magnificat. And to magnify something means to make it bigger. In her Magnificat, Mary made the Lord bigger. 
She began to praise God for what he had done instead of giving in to the disappointment that her expectations looked different than her current reality. The judgment was very strong against Mary in her own hometown, in her own community. She had to humble herself to God's plan and found that those who look to him are radiant. That's a word for somebody tonight. We need to begin to praise God for what he has done instead of being disappointed when there's a gap between our expectations and our reality. It's hard to do sometimes, isn't it, friends? We may not be aware of how God is working it in our midst, but we can count on it that he is. Now, a lot of people didn't understand in my neck of the woods why two newlyweds with a church to serve were also opening their home to two busy toddlers and a baby. They didn't understand, and their well-meaning words would often cut us very deeply. Things like, you're going to have your own kids, though, right? How many real kids do you have? I always wanted to be like, pinch them, find out they're real. I dare you. (laughs) They will get you. (laughs) Are they all yours? Now, if you've said those things, I want you to know that I have a more understanding and patient heart now, and I know that a lot of people are asking out of genuine concern and compassion and not because they're trying to be mean. But back then, when I was younger, it did hurt quite a bit. My favorite part was when I would go to the grocery store and people would be like, are they all yours? And I'd be like, no, sir, I just drive around and try to pick as many kids up as I can to take them to the grocery store because it's such a pleasant experience to take a bunch of kids to the grocery store. Come on, people. Do I look like I'm having fun here? It's so enjoyable to shop with tiny children whose tiny hands just grab things and throw them into carts and break eggs. Not that I would know, you know? I mean, come on. Are we humble enough to say yes to God, even though others will not understand and at the very worst, maybe even scoff at us? Are we more concerned with earthly opinions or with heaven's opinion? I'm not saying don't listen to people who care for you. That's not what this is about. I'm asking you to choose obedience over public opinion. Mary demonstrated her um, humility not only by rejecting the opinion of others for, to, please, to please a holy God, but she also was teachable. How can this be since I am a virgin? That's a real good question, by the way. <laughs> you ever come across a question in the Bible and you're like, yeah, I would ask that too. She believed God and her faith was strong or else she would have said there is no way. Did you know, like, no, <laughs> okay? That's how she could have acted, but instead she said, how, how are you going to do this, God? Not you won't do this and you can't do this, but how will you do this? Also, because of her humble beginnings, there's good news for all of us. We can identify with Mary. As opposed to a princess or a queen, he chose a young, he chose a young peasant girl to bear his son. No one royal or priestly. Now, Joseph was from a royal line, but Mary, Mary was just a peasant girl. And think about it this way. The most beautiful gift the world had ever received, wrapped in a most unassuming package, the womb of a young girl. 
And when this peasant girl looked into her baby's eyes, she got a view of what even Moses missed when, glory, when the glory of God passed him by on the mountain of Sinai. You guys remember that story in Exodus? And, and God said, no one can see my face and live. And you know what? Here are the first two people on earth who saw the face of God and lived. And their names were Mary and Joseph. Does that blow your mind? I think that is so cool. All because they were willing to say yes and they had a humble spirit about it. It was God's way of saying some really significant things like, as one author wrote, this is not just for the folks on the right side of the tracks or the right bloodline, not just for the beautiful people, for the smart or the well-spoken, not just for the white collar and the well-dressed, those of us with good table manners. It's for those who feel broken beyond repair this holiday season. It is for those of us who are grieving, who are poor, who are addicted, for those of us who have been hurt by people they trusted, by institutions they trusted. This is for those who have been let down. Is that good news for us tonight, sisters? By the way, I'm acutely aware um, that in a room this size, some of you grew up without enough of what you needed. If you never had a gift under the tree, let me speak to your heart right now. This is the simple good news of Christmas. Right here. This gift of Jesus is for you. He chose someone approachable and humble, Mary, to bring that gift into the world. There is a gift for you with your name on it. And his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's take time tonight to examine our hearts as we continue to learn from this imperfect but humble woman that God chose to use. Could God interrupt us because we, he knows we would be careful to give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise and not make it about us? Could God interrupt us because we don't have to consult others first in order to say yes to him? The third thing that I want to point out to you is that she was faithful. And for my generation as millennial, I'll be honest with you, faithfulness is an issue for us. It is difficult for us to stick with something long term. Millennials have been described like this. Their passion is for the immediate and the casual. And I was like, ugh, that hurts. That's offensive. And then I thought, that's also true. <laughs> things can be two or three things at once, right? They can be offensive and hurtful and also true. <laughs> we have that short attention span, generally speaking, that makes us struggle to do anything long-term. Eugene Peterson said it this way, there is a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Young Mary, she stuck with it. Faithful, full of faith, even when, even when she lost her son on the road, even when he was with the rabbis and knew more than them, even when she was at that wedding and she was like, hey, can you fix it? This is kind of awkward and um, you could make it better. And he's like, it's not my time. And she's like, 
do what he says, servants. You know, even through all that stuff, even through the 12 disciples and the miracles and the signs and the wonders and people leaving and, and people following and people leaving again, all of that stuff, she kept trusting, she kept believing that the one who had made her, the one that she had carried in her womb, would also be the one to save her. For Mary, the question God had was, can you keep following the plan even as it leads you up the hill to a cross? He's asking us that same question tonight. The same Mary sitting by the feed trough is later found standing by that cross watching her son die to bring her redemption. Let's consider our own lives too. If God interrupted us, could we see it through to the end? And I would love to tell you that it's been easy, but foster care was hard on every single soul involved in the process. And after two years in care, over two years really, we stood in a courtroom one January morning and we pledged to love and raise these babies. Would you show that last picture? Uh, the set? Yeah, that one. Thank you. Um, we stood in a courtroom and we pledged to love and raise them as if they had come from my womb themselves. And in my youthful naivete, I believed that the hardest part was over. But there have been many days, many days since that day, where parenting precious children from hard places has been the most challenging gift God has ever entrusted to me. And there have been days where I wondered if God got the wrong address when he brought them in that Ford Focus with those three car seats in the back seat. And I have gone to him thousands of times asking for the strength to handle my blessings <laughs> and to know how to disciple and steward them through grief and brokenness and trauma. We also uh, found out we were expecting right before our adoption date came and we added another child to our family the old-fashioned way. And so we have since begun fostering again after 10 years of being on the bench trying to heal our own family. And I will tell you that there have been moments when God has invited me to deny myself, to pick up my cross, and to follow him when my expectations looked so very different from the reality that I was experiencing. And some of you walked in here tonight and your reality and your expectation of Christmas are very far apart right now. And I want to acknowledge that. But I will tell you that God has been faithful and that he has met me in the very gap that I'd like to pass by. That gap between my expectations and my reality. My hope for you is that God meets you in that gap this Christmas season as he has met me over and over again in that gap. And I would also like to tell you that all four of my children received Christ Jesus as Lord in our home. They met Jesus in the walls of our house. God has been faithful even when I did not want to keep going. And even though there are still very, very hard days, in fact, we've just walked through something very difficult with mental health with one of our children, he has made himself known to us and to them along the way. In his book, Christmas is Not Your Birthday, which I find a very refreshing title, Mike Slaughter wrote these words, If you are not willing to commit to the pains of labor, God won't make the impossible possible.
I mean, we're talking about a lady who was not perfect, agreed? Mary wasn't perfect. She forgot Jesus once. You know, sometimes when I'm thinking I'm doing really bad as a mom, I try to go back to that, and I hope I can, like, apologize to her in heaven and be like, I'm sorry I used you for a bad example, but you forgot Jesus, and it made me feel so much better about my parenting skills. (laughs) Nobody here has done that, right? I mean, I may have forgotten a kid at practice a couple times. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on. But she was faithful. And honestly, there's a greater and more powerful story beyond Mary's faithfulness. And that is the story of the faithfulness of a loving and holy God. God allowed her to see the fulfillment of the promise as she saw that first miracle of Jesus at the wedding in Cana. And later, as she stood by the cross to watch him atone for her sins... It must have been brutal, but there must have also been an underlying hope for her that she could cling to. In Mark's recording of the resurrection, she was a witness to the angel proclaiming Christ Jesus had risen from the dead. She was in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell on the church for the first time. And so she was the only one that I can find recorded in Scripture privileged to have the Holy Spirit come upon her not once but twice. We can receive joy in studying how God used this young girl so many years ago to bring Christ to the world and how he will use us to bring Christ to the world today through our availability, our humility, and our faithfulness by his power and his strength. So can I challenge you to do something tonight? Would you receive a challenge tonight? Would you pray a simple prayer throughout this Advent and Christmas season? I want you to ask God to make you available, humble, and faithful. That he might use you to make Christ more fully known in this world. Just ask him to help you prepare room in your heart for Jesus so that you can bring him to your little corner of the world as Mary did 2,000 years ago. Will we make room for him and whoever he might choose to send to us? I don't want to miss the blessing of welcoming him into my heart and my life. And you know, God would have found someone else had Mary not shown those three qualities, but she would have missed the blessing that God had for her had she chosen her own dreams and expectations over what is best for the kingdom of God. She would have missed Jesus. What might you miss if you are so overscheduled and your soul is too undernourished right now? What opportunities might we miss if we let our pride and our weariness win the day? On the other hand, how might we welcome Jesus simply by being available to him and confessing our dependence on him and sticking with things that we want to quit? He is inviting every heart in this room to prepare some room for him right now through availability, through humility, through faithfulness. Don't miss the blessing of his presence in and through you. Can you show that last picture of our family today? So this was taken a couple of weeks ago. And I just want to say you never know who God will send to you. Because that little boy, he's uh, almost five months old. His name is 
Alexander, which his name is my name too. And right now, we have the chance to love him. I don't know how long he will stay. I don't know where he will go when he leaves my home. But I know today, I have the chance to offer Christ Jesus to him. Will I make room to do that? And God wants to send you somebody to offer the Christ child's hope to. Will you do that, friends? May I pray for us tonight? Father, you are so holy, so righteous, so glorious. We give you great praise tonight. We want to thank you for making a way so that we could dwell with you, so that we can know you in that way has a name, and that is Jesus. And Lord, I pray that there, if there be anyone under the sound of my voice tonight who does not know Jesus as Lord, that you would move in her heart, help her to take one step closer, help her to be introduced to Jesus tonight. Lord, we pray that you would move on each person in this room who does have a relationship with you and give each woman um, a, a recognition of what you're calling from her this Advent season. Lord, maybe it's just to forget some things and to remember some more important things. Maybe it's to let some things go so that we can make room for you and who you want to send. And Lord, we ask that you would give us hearts that are willing to say yes to you. We know that Mary wasn't perfect, but she certainly is a good example to us this holiday season. We ask, Lord, that you would make us available and humble and faithful. By your spirit at work within us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.